I really like the countdown, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I love the countdown too. It gets us going, right? Yeah. Welcome. I don't know what number episode. Do you even know what number episode? We're on like 10 or 15 of FitQuest. Okay. And, you know, we had 15 episodes before that that I want to roll into FitQuest, especially yeah. when time off. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, you could do the little throwback episodes, toss in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. From the Need Athlete. Okay, sweet. We're going to do Fit Quest first, and then we're going to get into what do we could developmental movement pattern, kind of like the benefits, and maybe a little bit of how to today, and maybe a little bit more in depth about a couple of places where it would be really useful to use these. Yeah. Movements. Do you want to say what are developmental movement patterns in the shortest sentence possible? Okay. They are the movement patterns that small children, infants, toddlers go through to learn how to walk, run, jump, balance on two legs. And at some point, do a lot of us forget about those things, those developmental movement patterns? So the reason we're talking about it today is that might be a gap in a lot of people's training. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been seeing or yeah, both of us, we've been seeing, I see it a lot with my clients, just different parts of development, developmental movement patterns that need to be shored up to help basic movements that they're trying to get better with so things like uh, core activation at the a lot of it's like muscle activation the right time in the right places that you learn just by just by being a human being and trying to copy after your parents learning how to walk and being a giant sponge when you're little for the most part but people get away from and get out of practice with or get into practice with things that throw off their timing or their ability to function as well as they probably can. Everything's clicking in a nice, smooth way. Okay, awesome. I'm excited to learn some of this stuff from you today. And we'll get into in-depth some of the stuff that we were just talking about. Yeah. FitQuest. Right. FitQuest first. Who wants to go first? Oh, shit. I can go first. I can go first because I feel like I don't go first enough. <laughs> and I need to sometimes. Thick quest this week. Let's see. Thinking with my current program that's probably going to be lasting for a while. I'm in week four or five, I think, with it. I think four. I think I'm in week four. And I bumped up the weight uh, last weekend after our podcast. I actually went to a gym. It was like a gym date with my wife. Oh. Um, which is always fun. <laughs> and so I got to do a couple of things at the gym that I don't usually have access to very easily in my workouts. So I did like double 35 kettlebells. And if I'm doing double kettlebells, I'm usually doing like a 20 and a 35. It's an offset or I'm using my sandbag um, for my cleans. So I got a little extra weight, got a little extra weight, a little extra intensity this week, I would say with my workouts. And it felt pretty good. I don't think I want to bump up the intensity anymore. I want to see if maybe I can replicate that intensity this week. 
And even a little bit of a bump down would be fine because this week's going to be um, pretty nuts. I got a football game this Sunday before uh, Turkey Day. Oh, so that's going to be that's, fun. Yeah, but I'm going to be using a lot of fast twitch muscles and whatnot. So this week, I might take it easy in the workouts a little bit and make sure I don't go too hard in the in the family football game. Because <laughs> even though it's family football game, I get a little too competitive because I talk too much trash and I need to back it up. So I either need to talk less trash or <laughs> I need to talk less trash, basically. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's the general pick quest. I did a little bit more uh, club and mace work this week. I haven't been doing it as much lately because I've been trying to get into this more. And that felt good. Trying to stretch my upper back because I feel like I'm getting a lot of upper body growth right now. Oh, nice. And I feel like I get good upper body growth. I'm good with my posture and I'm working on like my spine and my upper back. Mm -hmm. But like my chest gets so freaking tight so fast. This is why I don't do chest exercises anymore. Right. Really. Because I feel like my chest almost grows when I do other upper body stuff. I feel like that's just one of those areas for me, basically. So I just need to continue to stretch it. And then I think I'll be good. Cool, man. I like all that. I get those same issues with the chest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we did too much bench press at the beginning of our weightlifting journey. I feel like I feel like we grew up in peak bench press time or something. And so our muscles probably remember it really quick. And so it's easier to get gains in your chest than it is to, yeah. for some of the other muscle groups. Yeah, like bench press was my first love in, <laughs> in the weightlifting world. I had good dimensions for bench press. So I went hard in the paint early. So yeah. I don't want to do it anymore, but I, I got to stay on top of it. Things like this remind me I'm, when I'm getting gains elsewhere, that that's kind of like the antagonist to my agonist. Sure. A little bit. Sure. Yeah. Oh, man, I love it. All right, cool. Sounds like you had a good fit quest then this week. Good fit quest overall this week. Yeah. Food went good. Sleep went pretty good. HRVs looking uh, similar. And dress hasn't been too crazy. I would say normal amount of stress. Yeah, normal amount of stress for like pre-holidays. For All pre-holidays right. and two kids. <laughs> what? Yeah, lack of sleep. All right, dude, I have a couple questions for you. So with your HRV, uh, before, so how you uh, stepped up your strength a little bit and went to the gym, how was mm -hmm. your HRV at the beginning of that day? Because I know your HRV was pretty nice, uh, and that's probably why you went to the gym. And I was wondering how that HRV looked the day after you hit those weights. The day after, it actually was a little bit on the lower side. It was more in the yellow. So most of the time, you can categorize it by red, yellow, and green. So green means you're good to go. Yeah. Red means chill out. Yellow means you're on the fence. Yep. It might be good to get a little bit, see how you feel. If that feels like a kick in your butt, take it freaking easy. <laughs> um, so I was in the yellow, I think, the day after the workout. It was interesting. I felt good the following day. So two days later, no, Tuesday. So I didn't work out again until Tuesday. So I went Saturday to Tuesday. Okay. And... Except for my usual things around the house and stuff like that. Just like some stretches and some hangs. Okay. But 
Tuesday, I felt good, but I didn't have an HRV reading that day yet because it doesn't yeah. always come in depending on how often I wear my watch and whatnot. So I worked out and then it did the HRV reading during my workout. And it was like, either your workout was hard or you're getting sick, but we can't tell because you did it during your workout. <laughs> we got the reading during your workout and you're just going to have to see. But then the next day I was in the green. Okay. All right, cool. Man, that's awesome data. All right. And I have one more point from what you said. So with the chest development, one thing that I've noticed over the past four months or so since I started doing the mace bell and the steel club work is I usually do that work on my off days of my uh, upper body lifting. And, And what it does is that it gives it this, your upper body, this like extra boost on your off days where it's like this partial recovery that you're giving it. And then it's also this partial like muscle growth activation that you're giving it. And I think, I think doing that really gives you like a boost. And when you were saying that you were doing both of that and then you felt your chest, I have that feeling right now because I'm in a little bench press phase too. It's also one of my loves and whose isn't it, right? It's like, it's easy. You can do it when you're tired. You can do it when you're feeling good. You you just lay down and squeeze your muscles. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I do actually recommend that always. And either doing band work in between your upper body days or my newfound uh, doing the clubs and everything is is awesome. So those are kind of insights that I found from your, your little fit quest there. If you want to do like a full body routine, but you still want to get like the muscle building benefits of maybe like a bodybuilding routine, I would say you do your full body routine uh, two to four days a week. The average is three, right? Yeah. Um, you do your, and then you do exercises in between that increase your range, like your mobility. So your ability to move in that range. Mm-hmm. Not just like your passive range, your active range. There you go. Yeah. That prove your active range. Um, because when you do things that improve your active range, you stretch those muscles that you were working and you get blood pumping into them. So the recovery process happens quicker, which like steroids is all about the recovery process. <laughs> and I've seen guys do this before. And I think we talked about it on our previous podcast that we're trying to gain muscle and we're put on just like a high amount of mobility programming with some full body work after a couple of weeks of just doing a high amount of mobility programming. And the mobility programming is so hard for super tight people anyhow who peaked out with their muscle growth um, that it ends up being a workout in and of itself. And all of a sudden, their posture looks better. They have more muscle or it looks like they have more muscle. You can see more muscle because they're in the right positions more often. And probably their old 100% is changed because now they're in the right position to be able to put more load on their muscles right. or get that full range of motion, which is going right. to max them out even more if their goal is to get huge, if they're a bodybuilder, or if their goal is to be athletic, then they would just change that same thing into more of a performance thing. That's why I think mobility program is a little bit of a missing link in a lot of strength programming nowadays. Mm. I would say it's integrating mobility program really well. I think takes, this is going to maybe anger some people, but it takes the place of things like yoga and Pilates and all these other discipline disciplines that um, like really focus hardcore onto it. But I don't think they're, they're integrated uh, 
adapted into strength movements a lot of times. It's just like its own thing. Like you're going to get really good at yoga or Pilates, but it won't transfer out as much as like mobility programming will. Exactly. If you do a 20 minute yoga session that is not attached to anything afterward, it's not going to be as beneficial as say, you can add yoga movements into that warm up as long as you know that it's going to be beneficial to your, your whatever your strength uh, exercises that day are. But if you're trying to get good at yoga on certain poses and things like that, you need to do more yoga. Yeah. And like I've said a million times, and the mental yoga, part gives, of it yoga gives part. me that weird strength, that, that regular strength training, just doing deadlifts doesn't do. And I really like that. And I really like doing both. Uh, mm -hmm. And yoga is getting so particular and like Pilates is so particular, but it's just movements that will benefit or not benefit each other. Right. Yep. Cool. That is your question with the chest stuff. I think that's a good insight though, with the chest stuff and the mace and how they play in with each other. And you can do that with other muscles too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I guess I'll do my fit quest then. I had a pretty easy, like my fit quest this week. So last week I gained five pounds, not a good five pounds. So a candy crush, a from candy, candy crush, a, a candy five pounds. And, uh, and so this week I nailed all my six, six work at six days of workouts. And so the seventh day is just stretching for me. So I'll be able to definitely nail that tomorrow. As far as diet, I did not have any sweets until Friday. Friday, I just put sweets out because that's what I normally do. So that was a planned sweet. So that is cool with me. What's now here's my interesting fit quest for the week is that so I gained five. So this is an eight week block where my goal is basically was to keep my weight, maybe gain a couple pounds. So I am in a building phase, so I might gain a couple pounds, but I wasn't going to go overboard and I was hoping to maybe lose a little fat. And at the very beginning of my eight-week block, if I gain five pounds that are not good five pounds, my question to myself right now is, should I add a five-day mini cut in between the first four weeks and the second four weeks where I'd maybe do two days of, say, a run and then two days of hit? on on say a uh, very minimal carbs to maybe lose five to ten pounds and for me i know that's a lot for some people but that's not that much for me and so and then go right back into what i'm doing right now or should i just maintain the course for the whole eight weeks and just tack those extra five pounds up which i didn't want to add on as me being stupid did you so did you say you attained this past week, you didn't lose or gain? I did not lose or gain. I maintained eight healthy. And yeah, and you're, in my, week two? you're in week two. I'm in week two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in week three right now. The week three is starting so on Monday. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, I think you can wait to make that decision until the end of the four weeks, I would say. Yeah. For verse. Um, and then I think four weeks is a good time. Uh, to switch it up if you want to do some do a little deload in terms of the weight but up in terms of the uh, cardiovascular or the intensity yeah for example yeah i think that's even if you weren't trying to lose weight that could be a, a thing you could do for sure 
And then uh, those following four weeks, I would go into, I know I'm going to be eating a lot around Christmas and I'm going to go into a little bit higher rep range, not too high. Like right now I'm in the four to eight rep range and I'm going to move into eight to 12 uh, for the the month of December. And I think maybe doing that little cut might be good. It might be bad, but I think that's a good good point. At least don't even worry about it right now. Wait two weeks, see what happens and, and then make the choice. Yeah, but it's a good option to have, I would say. It's good to have options at the end of uh, like a micro cycle. Yeah, because my immediate thought was, crap, I I gained these five pounds. Let me switch my diet real quick. And Everything everything needs to change. Everything needs to change. That was my immediate thought. And I don't want to change everything, but that's my immediate thought, right? Was I need to lose those five pounds because that's what I didn't want to do these two months was gain too much weight. And then I realized that it might be better to just wait a little bit, maybe put in that little mini cut because that just breaks things up. Like just so my body doesn't get used to bulking too much. So the weight doesn't just stick on too bad. I think it's more psychological than it is really related to the weight training, honestly, though, because the weight training could, um, depending on the person, I'm not saying, I'm saying like not just Josh, but just depending on the person, if I was talking to a broad amount of people with this, I would say sometimes doing something afterwards can help you feel um, like less desperate and less anxious at the time when you're trying to do well with the food and the holidays and all that kind of stuff. And that can be like a good release for you. But then other times people will do something like this and it becomes a, a like a fallback mechanism or a crutch. And you don't want it to become that either. So that's like the two sides of doing something like this mentally that I think is useful to know. So you don't, you want it to be something that help um, with your mental state at this time in terms of your programming, if that's the goal, if you're trying to pay attention to your weight, for example, and not gain too much weight, um, because the mental state is what's going to make the decisions for you in those high pressure situations. All right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, those are good insights that I'll take into these next six weeks of this program. Because if it happens again and this works, for example, you're going to think I can do that again. And you're yeah. not going to fix the mental state in those situations that much. Exactly. And from somebody like me who has maybe done this 20 times before, maybe, right. maybe that is the reason. It's because I know that if I gain those five pounds, that and I, then can, this, what I, you can do every- lose, I can just lose it. Yeah. And then so that's just what you do. And it's not a high stress and you enjoy it. And then you get to enjoy the food without worrying about it. I, that's literally the reason I started working out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people do that too. And I don't think that's unhealthy in any way. Some people think that's unhealthy. I think you can get obsessive about it. And I think there's a spectrum with it where you don't need to make other people do it, do what you're doing. Some people do that. And I think that's when it gets a little extreme. Oh, yeah. The, one of the main reasons that I worked out was because I ate a lot. And this was, I'm talking 20 years ago, right? And I wanted to eat a lot. And I was like, I'm going to work out and run because I want to eat way more than I could. And and that was like a badge of honor 20 years ago. 
but now for sure, and that's so, so on your spectrum, I was like 98% wanting to do that. But for sure, over the years, I'm much more in the middle of 50%. Yeah. Where I'm not doing all the time. I'm just, it's just more of a once every once in a while thing, knowing that yeah. I can lose the weight. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's interesting. All right. But I'm not going to go any more into that because the final part of my fit quest, which will lead us into today is that so for myself, I've always gotten these like, like back spasms from time to time. And they've been really good for almost four or five years. And I think, and that's really when I stopped lifting super heavy weights and, and there's a lot that went into it. And I, and I did go into a lot of the basics that I skipped when I first started getting stronger. And I think that the basics that we're going to go into today are even more basic than what I got into. And because I talked like to- Like squat, bench, deadlift, and <laughs> what's most people's basics on, or most meatheads' basics, squat, bench, deadlift, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking even more. Okay, like a dead bug. I'm hoping that dead bug is going to be in our conversation today. Yeah, dead bug's in there. Yeah. And I wonder though, and the question that I'm going to ask, and make sure you answer it, is that what part of the progression would a dead bug be in? I'm wondering if I am missing a beginning part of that progression um, because mm. I, a dead bug is usually pretty close to where I start. But, and so we can just go into it because what the only other point I was going to have is that I hear a lot of people with the same issue who have recurring, say, back issues. And this can be any kind of issues. We talk a lot about this when we talk about low back health, I would say, for a lot of clientele. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so as a clientele, and so I would think, oh, I need to do core work. And then I go online and I look at certain core works. And when you find good core work, it'll be like dead bug, plank, bird dog, bird dog, bear, some bear crawls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And now, and so I know that those are really good. And those are probably my most basic movements and that I know. Uh, and then I, I know a couple more since we've talked about this, and that's what I want you to teach me today, are some basics and some reasons behind why we do these basics. Okay, so I think one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier uh, before we started recording was this diagram that I would tell people to check out, which is the FMS diagram, the Functional Movement Screening Diagram of Children from an infant stage, from born to walking and the different, just different positions that they get into and can be replicated as an adult. I like that uh, as a visual a lot, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to explain it in words just a little bit too. So okay. they, the easiest, it's easier for people who have young children around them or have had young children around them. Uh, through these phases, they've seen these phases, but a lot of people understand this anyhow. Think of a baby being born and just its muscular abilities to move and its skeletal, musculoskeletal abilities to move. And then also a little bit, its neural or brain development abilities to move. The stages they go through are things like First, they're just lying down and they have to be transported everywhere and they can't even roll over. And then, but, and they, and they're lying on their back. And because they can't roll over, they just start waving their arms and legs lying on their back. 
basically. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much a dead bug-esque position. Yeah, right. It's just lying on your back, moving your arms and legs. Uh, babies doing it in a more random pattern. For adults, we tend to give them a more specific pattern mm. um, because random things are hard to progress with as an adult. Right. More, um, but they'll do it more in a random way. And then as they get better with that, what happens is their core learns how to stabilize their limbs when it gets um, lengthened and farther away from the core. Okay. Because you need to be able to do that to do the next stage of, of musculoskeletal development, which is rolling over. Okay. So then you, they start reaching farther and farther. And because their core knows how to activate when they reach, they can roll over onto their stomachs, for example. And parents always get worried when they start rolling over because like when they're sleeping, they have to worry about a baby rolling over into something and not being able to breathe and all these other complications that come just from rolling over. Parents become very aware of this stage pretty quickly. (laughs) But rolling over then teaches them more how to use their core and how to reach and how to elongate and how to travel a little bit. Now they're actually traveling a little bit, traversing a little bit too. Then they get on their stomach. They start working on tummy time, for example, and they start engaging their posterior muscles, their upper back muscles, their lower back muscles, their glutes more, all those kinds of things. They start using their arms to push themselves up off the ground because at first all they can do is just lay on the ground and cry, basically. (laughs) So they start doing Supermans like your shirt. Start doing Supermans like my shirt. Exactly. (laughs) And and a more random way basically. yes yeah and then after that they start pushing themselves up from the ground they do some push they do some like what we call baby yoga push-ups a little bit pushing themselves up from the ground walking their hands up to an all fours position they get into a quadruped all yeah. fours position on their hands and knees and they start learning how to flex their toes into the ground when they rock forward and back and they just rock randomly in different ways and that teaches their shoulder joints and their hip joints how to actuate and change and move in time yeah, and space, right? And then once they get good at that, they start traversing a little bit in that position. That becomes like a hand and knee crawl, basically. Or they'll start traversing on their stomach, for example. And then, so you get these phases of, um, of stabilizing, traversing, stabilizing, traversing, stabilizing, traversing, stabilizing, traversing. And they just go up the ladder all the way up to, I'll just, without explaining the rest of them too much, we can go in depth a little bit more with it when we talk specifically about like low back, for example. But uh, they go from crawling to kneeling. They go from kneeling to pulling themselves up and standing up. At the same time, they pull themselves up and stand themselves up. They have to lower themselves down again. And they practice these things for months, constantly, every day, all day. Right. Knee to half kneel, to kneel, to half kneel, to push, to stand. Yeah, all that. All day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> As parents know, it gets really ingrained. It gets really ingrained and it needs to get really ingrained. And if you skip through stages of development, and some parents may know this, that their kids, they end up having to go back or revisit or adjust for that later on. A lot of times. That's interesting. So, 
My first insight from what you said there is that this is just my thought. So are most people missing the rocking and that even from the rocking makes such a giant difference? I think it makes me think that. Yeah. Like even from that dead bug position, just starting the movement to roll over, like which is that slow Mm -hmm. rocking. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like we do that in a lot of in a lot of exercise. And the, really just the actual rolling uh, have you and you might be an outlier here, but have you ever stuck your hands over your head like a pencil and tried to just roll? It's actually fairly difficult, especially for somebody who's like six feet tall. Country kids, I think, do it a lot. I think country kids are like on, on hills when they're little. Yeah, I think do it a lot. Yep. But yeah, if you see an adult getting ready to do that on the hill and you know they haven't done anything like that before, stop them. <laughs> somebody's going somebody's gonna to get hurt. So I feel like just my first insight is that's kind of something like a big thing that a lot of people are missing is that gentle rocking of the core and not from a young age. You're probably good What from like the time you're five years old till you're 25. It's just if you're not kid, yeah. If you're if you're a little bit active and so let's just say five to 20, you're probably fairly active. And then after that, it's going to be it's going to be decline. Yeah. And if you you get but if you get hyperactive in specific things when you're a kid, you'll lose these abilities just as quick. Oh, that's interesting, too. So maybe certain sports or or certain activities that you do that pattern in you. Yeah, they pigeonhole people a little bit, I would say. Okay, so that that's pretty interesting. Um, and so and that's the biggest my... sport adults partake in is sitting, I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My favorite sport. <laughs> so what do you think? Do you think there's anything into that insight? And if there is, what should more people do? Um, or am I just being crazy here? No, I think it's funny because I'll show people things like rocking and we'll do it in their warmups and they'll skip it often. And then I'll put it in their program because they're skipping it too much in their warm up. And then they'll start getting better with things in random places with their core. Yeah. They weren't getting better with before when they were skipping it. And then I have to have the talk with them that, oh, that thing that you were skipping that I put into your workout. I think that's helping you a lot here. And I know because when, when I make you do it, like a lot of times, like even just all fours rocking on all fours. Yep. People will be like, oh, my wrists are bothering me. Oh, my hips feel tight here. Oh, my neck. I need to chill out with my neck here. It just helps reset the system a little bit and bring some awareness to where things are and how they're feeling and then activate in the right places and also give you a little bit of a a heads up. If you do it early in your workout, where you need to adjust. And a lot of that's done subconsciously. So you mentioned resets before. Can you explain that a little bit? What would a reset do for you and why would you need a reset? So in this case, for example, it, I call it a reset because it takes you out of this isolation mindset that I think a lot of people have when they're doing exercises where they're just trying to push really hard in one specific muscle group. In a movement, for example, or they're just trying to push really hard in general, everywhere, (laughs) as much as they can. Or they're stuck in positions where they don't even know they're pushing harder than they need to. So resets 
um, like a, like an all fours rock, for example, or things like an all fours rock will reset the body in a way where you notice when you rock, where to chill out, where uh, tense up, wet and when to do it. That it's just a very, it's, it's ingrained in the human body, I think. I don't know exactly why, honestly. Uh, the, my best guess is because of these developmental reasons. And I can say a lot of different scientific research that talks about how children who don't get enough crawling will have development, can have a higher likelihood of developmental issues for, um, with their musculoskeletal mm. system. So th there's evidence out there that suggests that it's just, it's just, and it's really accessible. It's really accessible. Like you, you just need to get down to the ground. And a lot of people don't even get down to the ground. Um, and it's funny because when I train people with dogs, for example, or pets, uh, we'll get down to the ground and you can tell they don't get down to the ground because their animals are ecstatic. They're like, oh my goodness, you're on the ground with me. <laughs> yeah. Just go nuts. Go nuts. Yeah. I'm on the ground all the time. I have like my dog and two kids just like slobbering on me and not yeah. the dog, the kids. No, I'm just kidding. The dog too. But that's crazy. So why, like my big thing here is Okay, if you go to the doctor and they, because of lower back pain or whatever, you're going to, they may, they might tell you, you need to go do core work, right? I think that rocking, so what it sounds to me like is that from a young age, you probably, you learned how to do this and then your body forgot. And I think this, I don't think you said this word is proprioception, right? So basically, so when you're laying there on the ground, just doing that roll, really just doing that rocking back and forth might teach you the proper way your core is going to engage instead of how it's already engaging, which it might be engaging for a plank or it might be engaging for that dead bug, but it's not engaging for the natural movement of actually like getting up off the bed or, or anything like that. And that's and where a lot of people get injured a lot of times is in these weird like floor getting up and down from the ground type movements not lifting weights and being firm and stiff lifting weights but just doing these small movements like grabbing a plate out of the dishwasher i think i've thrown my back out three times in my life yep. and i'm only yep. 37 years old like yep. get things from the cabinet yep yeah i think this is very enlightening for me i know i added some rolls in when we first started talking like three years ago to to my workout and i think i'm gonna add it in again um, just some simple now do we want to get into like some exercises and stuff that like some simple exercises maybe f like three to five exercises that you think everybody should do that most people don't do i really like the all fours rock and that so that's um, just a quadruped or tabletop position right and would that be your hand your palms flat on the ground and you're just rocking forward on your palms and your hips or like so your palms are under your shoulders, your knees are under your hips. So you got like a table-esque kind of torso support. Mm -hmm. And your toes are dug into the ground behind you. Okay. So that way when you rock back, you put pressure into your toes more. And then when you rock forward, your chest is going to go over your hands a little bit. And you're going to put pressure into your wrists and hopefully your fingertips a little bit. I like to tell people that have active hands versus like flat hands. Um, so you check on your fingertips and your wrists when you rock forward and then you rock back, you check on those toes and the hips a little bit more and rock forward. And when you go over your hands, you get a little bit more core activation. 
for example. You can play with this. I usually tell people to play with it in a cow position, like a cat cow. And cow is belly down, chest up, looking up a little bit, rocking forward and back, and try and keep that cow position. Don't let your hips tuck under. And then sometimes you can let your hips tuck under and go all the way back into a child's pose, for example. Or you can go all the way forward and lay down, for example. The amount of rocking is able to be played with. I would say, and it's a pretty safe exercise and just feel how your core changes and how your weight shifts over your different parts of your body when you're doing it and get some good breathing in. All right. All right. I like it. Okay. Yep. So we have that position. Do you have another one? Yep. So then lying on your back, I really like to tell people the one that you were talking about, which is arms overhead, like a pencil, for example. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you can either do this um, with your arms or your legs. But what you do is you brace your core just a little bit and you keep, let's do it for arms, for example. You keep your arms overhead and you just reach over across your body. So if I'm using my right arm, I reach across my left side of my body as far as I can. Like I'm trying to turn off an alarm clock directly to the left of me, but just out of reach. And I try to roll over onto my stomach. Until yeah. I'm all the way over onto my stomach. Okay, you go all the way to the stomach. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get all the way to the stomach there, you cannot use your legs at all. Your legs are dead. You got little fish legs. Oh, You just got to reach with your arm as far as you can and see if you can roll over your stomach while your other arm's up above your head. Oh, I like it. And if you can't, you just roll back. Um, and you don't want to tense up your neck. Your arm is leading you and your core is attached to your arm. So if you can attach your core to your arm, you will roll over. Okay. If you try it. You can use your neck and reach with your neck and push with your legs, but you're not allowed to use those. I um, mean, you do it with your arm on one side, you do it with your arm on the other side. It's easier to do that actually with the legs for most people because that's more weight. So for example, you have your arms up and you put your leg up and then you reach across with your right leg over the left side of your body until you roll over onto your stomach. Yeah. I That's feel a really like those are hard. They can be hard at first for people, a lot of people, yes. <laughs> but they get easy really fast, and you'd be surprised. I'm a lot of people. That's going to be hard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At first, because people really try to like, eke it out with their... And then you just, all you got to do is just put that leg over there, and it'll pull you over. Okay. For the most part. Start with the legs, though. If you think this is going to be hard, start with the leg and move on to the arms. Okay. And that'll help. Your upper core attached to your arms, and that'll help your lower core attached to your legs really well. All right. All right. I like those two. So we have the quadruped position, and then we have lying on your back. Lying on your back, arm led rollover, okay. both sides, and then leg led rollover, both sides. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Yep. And there? then uh, another one I really like is seated position with the knees bent. And uh, feet uh, wider than your hips and your hands behind you on the ground, supporting you so you can get up nice and tall with your chest and nice flat back. Okay. Okay. So a shin box-esque position or a 90-90-esque position, if you know what that is. Yep. And then just rotating your hips to one side, rotating your hips to the other side, rotating your hips to one side, rotating your hips to the other side. Leading with the knees, you end up scooting forward with your butt a lot with this one. Okay. All right. And then dead bugs, dead bugs we talked about. Okay. For example, okay. a lot of people, I like to start with um, 
with arms only dead bugs. So their feet are up, they're laying on their back, their feet are up and their knees are bent. Their knees are in their chest as much as possible without them holding on to them mm-hmm. with their arms. And then they're just going to go back like a backstroke above your head with one arm, back like a backstroke above your head with the other arm, for example. And if it is hard to hold the legs up, they can use one arm to help hold their knees up towards their chest and go back with one arm. Nice. Nice. I like that. And uh, hold on. Should people do this like in the morning, at the beginning of their workout, at night, or how should they add this into their, their day? I like a lot of this stuff as warm-up type exercises before workout or, and I like to do, I like to set up warm-ups like this um, in a way that I'm doing movements that I'm going to have to use those muscles during the workout more. Right. And so like a little bit more things that would help my glutes on a day where I'm going to be squatting heavier or something like that. But if you're doing a full body Workout, you just do a full body kind of developmental warm up, basically. Get to the point where you're marking or, or walking or doing some kind of traversing, standing traversing. Yeah. Yeah. You start with lying, rocking, and then lying, traversing. And then you go to all fours, uh, rocking. Then you go to all fours, traversing. Then you go to kneeling, rocking. Then you go to kneeling, traversing. Then you go to squatting, uh, holding, and then squatting, traversing. But you can do all that all the way up the ladder. If you want to get in depth with it. That's 20 years of training experience right there, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And then what you do is you take that warm up and and you can just cherry pick from that throughout the week. Do the things that you feel during your ex during your workout warm up that maybe, okay, that's feeling tight or that's getting tighter over time right now, for example. So, so you can do that a little extra, like in the morning or at night or whatever, just Mm -hmm. to, to help a little bit. Yep, and if it's really getting tighter over time and you can tie it to a specific exercise, you might want to do it right after you do that specific exercise. Okay. All right. And then if you're skipping your warm-up, put it in your circuits to do during that those circuits. <laughs> I was going to say, some of those exercises are just going to be the whole workout for some people, and some of those are going to be like just the warm-up for some people. So I, it, it mm-hmm. all depends on your own ability. Yeah, yeah, but I like them as primers. I think I think they're really good as primers, but I also think they're really good just for overall health and they can be good for mobility and strength capacity used in the right ways. Absolutely. All right, man. That was a lot of good information. Do you want to go into anything else? Or let's or we're gonna end it. Okay, let me say one thing. All right. With these movement patterns, you can get into some crazy uh rabbit holes with like animal movement patterns and stuff like that where where i would say take them with a grain of salt um and i get why there's skepticism about these types of movement patterns and implementing these into a strength program because there there are people kind of take these a strong marketing extreme and there's a reason why it looks really dumb honestly and i don't think that's just me because i've heard people I've seen people look at some of the things and think they're gimmicky and ju- and just kind of um, not listen to them or not pay any attention to them. Um, but there a lot of gimmicky things. There are some kind of like grain of, of truth in them. And for these kind of gimmicky things, that's the kind of grain of truth I'm trying to I'm trying to point out here with these crawling type movements, maybe that some people might be thinking are really gimmicky and they can get really gimmicky really quick, or they can be things that people just use to 
just fatigue the crap out of people. Right. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be using these, I would say, to fatigue the crap out of yourself. These are these developmental movements are not uh, um, not endurance type movements. These are like skill type movements. So you got to be really introspective with these. And um, that's going to take some time and it's going to take a good amount of practice. And you might do it wrong for a good amount of time before you do it right. Absolutely. Now, besides you, Mike DeVivo, as being like a resource for this, are there a couple of good resources online that you've already edited that people can go check out? Yeah. So I really like, I sent you the link I sent you to Original Strength. Original Strength. I really yeah. like Original Strength for this. I do see some good FMS, the ones who do the FMS test. They have some good movements. Some of them. And that's I'm a functional sick. movement system. Functional movement system. Yep. Yeah. And it might be easier to find it if you use those words too versus the abbreviation. Um, <laughs> you can give, we can give explosive performance, a little bump, explosive performance in our area. They do a really good job of implementing these movements and warm-up routines and even in circuits with people. Absolutely. And then, uh, uh, yeah. And if you're not quite sure or you're trying to figure things out, I do free trial at the beginning of my programs to just help people figure things out. So, Oh, yeah. You need help. All right. Sounds good, Mike. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Let's, we're done. Sounds good. Peace out, everybody. Go forth and move better. All right. Have a good one, guys. See you, Mike.